Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves. Feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. want to make a good return on our investments, but can we do some good in the wider world by carefully choosing which companies we invest our money in? I think it's an investor's responsibility to think beyond profit and return for themselves. Meet Harry. He's a 29-year-old investor who's regularly investing around £1,000 per month into his future retirement fund. In that sense, my work here is done. But Harry doesn't just want to boost his future retirement savings. He wants the choices he's making to change the world by targeting investments that chime with his own values. I saw that profit can be a byproduct of doing something that has a social objective. And I think, well, why shouldn't the money that I've got to invest not try to do the same thing? Growing numbers of investors around the world share Harry's sentiments, and the finance industry has given it a label, ESG. If you're an advocate of greener, climate-friendly investments, then you won't need me to tell you that ESG stands for Environment, Social and Governance Considerations. Those three words sum up the broader ethical themes that investors want to see companies and funds pay more attention to. But how can investors be sure that they're not just being taken in by a good marketing job? Harry, like me, is naturally sceptical. In, in the wake of, of the George Floyd tragedy, there were many corporates that were promoting the fact that they believed in in racial equality and that that there was a lot to be to be said for, for achieving that. However, many of their decision makers, leaders, their boards were completely full of very similar people, white males. And I think what I would love to see is more companies that are going and actually walking the walk. But for me, I couldn't name a company immediately off the tip of my tongue that is advancing very far along that journey. Welcome to The Money Clinic, the weekly podcast from the Financial Times dedicated to tackling real-life financial issues. I'm Claire Barrett, the FT's consumer editor. On today's show, we will put ESG investing to the test. How can you tell if funds and companies deserve an ESG label or are just ever so slightly good. What tools are there to help us work this out? And just how good might the long-term returns be? Here's Harry. So uh, I'm Harry Davis. I'm from West Wales, a small village in a very rural part of the country. My parents are in the agricultural industry and have a tractor business. And I went to a local comp 
went to university in Bristol. I was lucky to, to get in. And I was a lawyer for a few years, and I'm now working for a social enterprise that helps to uh, increase diversity in the legal profession by making it a, a fairer place in which people can get opportunities. Wow, I mean, that's a fascinating career. So, so you worked in the legal industry, and then you thought, how can I get more people um, like me? Exactly. And people were approaching me all the time, friends of friends, saying, Harry, how, how did you do it? How, how, how did you get in? Uh, because obviously, having gone to Bristol University, we're... 40% of, of students are privately educated uh, compared to 7% nationally. I was very alive to, 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 to my disadvantage, which I never experienced until that point. And, uh, and then, yes, was pretty much driven, passionate to, to get involved with, with helping more people by coaching, educating, and uh, generally what we call the rules of the game uh, to get into the legal profession. So I have been doing that for the last nearly three years now. Hearing Harry talk about his career and the satisfaction that he gets from helping change the legal profession from within definitely gave me valuable insights into his mindset as an investor. Now, there's two sort of priorities for me, really, when I'm thinking about investing. There's a return, obviously, like every investor does it for the purposes of of seeing, seeing a return. And there's also my desire to want to do good. You know, I was a lawyer before. I then saw that business could also be done for, for social good. Like many law firms are, but more directly in terms of what I do now, I saw that profit can be a byproduct of doing something that has a social objective. And I think, well, why shouldn't the money that I've got to invest not try to do the same thing? So that's something that's become more of a, a priority in the last uh, six months or so. Harry's on a mission to invest his retirement money into like minded companies that share his values, particularly when it comes to diversity and social inclusion. But the big problem is how to find them. So far, he's invested some money into a cheap index fund of FTSE-listed companies that screens out ones it considers to be problematic, like big oil or shares in weapons companies. But rather than screen out the negative, Harry would rather accentuate the positive. Now, the challenge for me is, how can I find out whether a company genuinely is socially responsible. I'll give you an example. Tesla, for instance. Mm, uh, that's in a very that, good example. Well, one, one sort of index sort of measure or platform will say it's the most sustainable car maker in the world. And another will say it's the worst. So there's a lot of mixed sort of uh, analysis out there. And even this morning, I was reading an article from the FT that flagged this very problem, which was saying ESG funds have done really well, but are they genuinely socially responsible and, and, and really flag the issues I've just mentioned, which are there's so much different measures. And it can be a subjective thing, as you can imagine, you know, what one person sees as being a social good might be very different to what someone else thinks. And what I'm trying to get to is how can I align my own view of what I would like companies to be doing and invest in them in a way that makes me feel like my money is doing good in some way. I can see I've got my work cut out with this, but I also want to confess something to you. Um, in that my stepson Ben, who works in renewable energy, has been saying to me for about a year now, because he's opened the lifetime ISA, I want to do ESG investing. How do I know it's not greenwash? Tell me, <laughs> tell me some 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 pointers um, that I can use to to guide my investment because he has exactly the same issues as you. He is really concerned about climate change, especially. Um, and he's a vegan, which causes a few issues uh, mm-hmm. when he comes home. Mm-hmm. But he wants his principles to be reflected in how he invests. But because he's so busy with his job, he doesn't have endless amounts of time to research how ethical 
different companies or different investment products may or may not be. Absolutely. That is that is the concern and the challenge for sure. I think I'm going to feel a lot more confident when I look at a given company or a fund and say, yes, I'm comfortable that my money is supporting companies that are seeking at least to avoid social harm, but ideally to be helping advance human uh, sort of progress in dealing with social problems so that I feel more comfortable that, that my money's being put to good use and that um, I've got a reliable resource on which to base those judgments. Harry's questions are, I'm sure, shared by aspiring ESG investors everywhere. So the first expert I dialed up to help explore this topic was on a New York number. Who better than the FT's own queen of ESG, Gillian Tett? Gillian, an absolute pleasure to have you on the Money Clinic podcast, because what you don't know about ESG isn't worth knowing. Now, you describe it as a revolution in finance, but what's driving that revolution? Well, I think to be fair, it's probably more of an evolution that has been accelerated this year rather than a complete revolution. And in a nutshell, there are two key things that are driving it right now. One is a growing recognition amongst investors and companies that ESG is not just about activism and about actively trying to change the world. It's also about risk management and avoiding risks that could end up blowing up your portfolio, creating reputational damage for companies, creating regulatory problems, causing your employees to walk out or whatever else. So it's not just activism, it's about risk management. The second point, though, is that one reason why it's moved from being about just activism to risk management is we're living through an era where the extreme uncertainty in politics, in geopolitical relationships, in social compacts, in technology means that no company can afford to have tunnel vision anymore, nor can investors. They have to have lateral vision. And in many ways, what is at the heart of ESG is saying, actually, companies shouldn't just focus on making money for shareholders, as Milton Friedman once said, they need to have a wider sense of the impact of their operations on society. And for investors, it's saying, great to make returns, but you need to ask some hard questions about how and why you're making those financial returns and what kind of impact that's having on the world more generally. Harry's obviously been asking himself hard questions about his investment choices, but his concern is that company boards might not be. I asked Gillian what she thought. Well, the key thing is that companies have woken up and realised that it's actually not just those irritating activists wearing tie-dye with placards who turn up your AGMs who care about these issues today, which frankly used to be the case 10, 20 years ago. I haven't met Harry in the flesh, but he doesn't give off a tie-dye vibe. I mean, the people who were impact investors or socially responsible investors used to, you know, classically be, you know, Danish pension funds nuns, and they were keen activists um, at many AGM meetings, um, and some wealthy millennials who were engaged in impact investing. Today, what's changed is that a whole range of mainstream investors are getting very engaged in ESG issues as well, precisely because of this point about risk management rather than just activism. And as corporate boards wake up to that, they're going, yikes, we can't afford to ignore this anymore because it could affect the cost of our capital. So- 
My next question is about what you've referred to as the hype jargon and alphabet soup of ESG. How can retail investors cut through that to identify investments that truly meet their objectives? Well, the alphabet soup is terrible, and there's no two ways around that, unfortunately. Um, And it's very difficult indeed. Probably the best bet is to try and go for a fairly mainstream asset manager um, or one that has a credible ESG portfolio offering. Don't you know, worry too much about all the endless alphabet soup. Just get a sense of whether it's just the E you care about or a mixture of the two. Look at what the different products are on offer and then, you know, try and take a deep breath and plunge in. Um, the sector is growing up fast. It is not perfect at the moment, but I would argue that's no reason to completely ignore it. Next, I wanted to ask Gillian about how ESG investments have performed in the pandemic. The sort of tie-dye-wearing investors who targeted ethical investments in the past were prepared to sacrifice a bit of return if they thought their money was doing good. But that's not the case today, as many ESG funds are actually outperforming the wider market. People think that the outperformance partly reflects a momentum trade because people are rushing into the sector for all the reasons I've talked about before. Mm. Um, It's also to do with the fact that most ESG portfolios have not had a lot of fossil fuels, but they have had um, quite a lot of tech companies in them. And we've obviously seen a big sectoral picture whereby tech companies have massively outperformed. Um, Big tech companies are now 45% of the S&P 500 index in America, which is the biggest concentration of any company in recent decades or any sector in recent decades. But there's another really interesting issue, which is that it seems that Companies which have embraced ESG issues early have been required to look very hard and long at their supply chains and their internal operations simply to make sure that they hit those ESG metrics. I mean, you can't do an ESG report without doing a really thorough audit of your supply chains, your employee relations, your environmental footprint, et cetera, et cetera. And that means you have to know in granular detail how your company works and how your supply chains work. And it seems that that has made some companies, in fact, many companies, according to an HSB report, a lot more resilient in crises like COVID because they had the data, they had the long-term trust and relationships, perhaps slightly better than other companies, which enabled them to, if not thrive, then at least survive the COVID shock. Now, it's still early days, and some people would say, well, actually, we haven't really had enough tests to prove that. One final thing I want to put to you on Harry's behalf. Now, his biggest concern as an investor is that the kind of companies or funds that he might be putting his hard-earned money into are all talk and no action, particularly on the issue that matters most to him, which is inclusivity and diversity um, and how that's reflected both in a company's operations and in the makeup of its board. I mean, have you ever any final thoughts to offer him on that score? I think Harry's concerns are incredibly valid. And in fact, the diversity and inclusion issue is not just about the board, because that's obviously often the easiest part to tackle. It's also about the senior management, and there's much less transparency around that. Um, So he has a very, very valid point. And there are plenty of examples out there of greenwashing, whitewashing, or the great new phrase, wokewashing. Wokewashing? That's a new one on me. Companies pretending to be woke to try and retain their millennial employees, um, and it all being a bit of a smokescreen. 
But here's a key point. The market is imperfect and immature at present. So if you're an investor, you have to decide whether you think you'd rather get involved in something that's immature and imperfect and accept that it's better to be a bit imperfect and to be trying rather than not at all, or to stand back and wait a few years and hope it grows up. Um, the good news is that better accounting standards and transparency systems are emerging. The bad news is that those aren't perfect yet. So I think everyone's going to have to try and make their own decision about whether perfect is the enemy of finished or not. I share Gillian's view that ESG is evolving fast and that while it's not perfect right now, as more mainstream investors put their money where their morals are, our collective quest will become easier. We've heard the bigger picture, but now for the retail investor detail. Moira O'Neill is Head of Personal Finance at Interactive Investor, one of the UK's biggest investment platforms. As ethical investing gains momentum, this label of ESG is being applied to a lot of companies and funds, but we don't think it's always justified. So let's start by looking at what's out there. I think the industry hasn't really got to the point where it's really helping people like Harry. I mean, there are about 5,000 collective investment options out there, and we tried to find uh, the few that were truly socially responsible or environmental, and we came up with about 150. Out of 5,000 funds? Yes. So it's still a small and immature market. Harry's already put some of his money to work in an index fund, so-called because they invest a little bit of money in lots of different companies considered to be ESG in a given index, like the FTSE 100, for instance. The advantage of these is that they're cheap, but as Harry has found, they often work on the principle of screening out the so-called sin stocks. There are also growing numbers of actively managed funds in the ESG space. This is where you're paying a fund manager, usually a bloke in a suit, but that's slowly changing, to select a group of maybe 20 or 30 stocks. But you'll be paying higher investment fees for that, and it's no guarantee of a higher return on your investment. Nevertheless, investor interest in ESG means that investment platforms are making these sorts of funds much easier to find and compare, as Moira reveals. We also narrowed that down into a shortlist, which we called our ACE 30. And this categorises ethical investments into three kinds, ones that avoid um, things that are, are sort of negative criteria. Um, so ones, that's the A. <laughs> yeah, that's the A. Ones that consider um, sort of uh, ethical issues or environmental issues uh, or themes within their investment criteria. That's the considers. And then ones that embrace um, positive social or environmental outcomes. So they really seek out the companies that are active in changing the world um, but there are other tools around in the industry that can help. Um, Morningstar publishes a carbon score for funds. It also has a sustainable fund type, which shows where ESG is a key part of the fund manager's process. And there's also um, a good company called SRI Services, which runs something for consumers, which is called Fund Eco Market. And that zeroes in on the different approaches that fund managers take. And it's quite a useful tool for people to 
learn more about the different types of ethical investments and the, the options out there. So there are plenty of tools. I interrupt this podcast to give you a health warning about best buy lists that investment platforms offer to help investors like you and I sift through thousands of investment funds and narrow down our choices. Yes, they're helpful for getting ideas, but it's important to remember that these are not personal investment recommendations and that being featured in a best buy list offers no guarantee whatsoever that a fund is going to do well. Now, Back to Moira, who has some more pointers for Harry as he starts narrowing down his search. Well, I would say you could start by looking at the FTSE for Good um, index series. And that brings out some, some of the companies from um, the London stock market using a best-in-class approach. And it selects companies that score better on ESG issues when compared with their peers in the same sector. Um, the FTSE for Good UK 50 might be good place to start because that's the biggest 50 companies. But I would say it's also a good uh, idea to look at ethical funds and, and look at their top 10 holdings because that would give you some good ideas about um, companies to, to research and to look at more closely. And it will start you thinking about what your own views are because I think it's very important to get that firmly established in your own mind as to what your own principles are before you start committing your money to an investment. This is exactly the dilemma that Harry's been talking about. Having identified companies that other fund managers rate the credentials of, he could learn more by downloading their annual report to shareholders. These are really easy to find and you can download a PDF online. However, they are very, very long. Other than reading the executive summary, my top tip here is the journalistic shortcut of Control and F on your computer keyboard. This will let you search for keywords in a document like ethical, social, governance or diversity and cut to the chase. But as a former journalist herself, Moira stresses that Harry also needs to read the news to stay on top of events, like the row over working practices that engulfed ESG fund favourite Boohoo, the fast fashion retailer, earlier this year. You've got to be clear when you're investing ethically about what matters to you. I'm very clear that one person's ethical stock is another person's sin stock. And that does tend to apply to the fund managers and to the index tracker funds too. And I think the point at which a company stops being unethical and starts to become ethical or environmental or ESG or whatever you want to call it is really down to personal opinion. Having found out so much about the broader topic, as well as the practicalities of how to get invested, I was keen to share what I'd learned with Harry, not to mention my stepson, who will be emailed a link to the podcast as soon as I get out of the studio. Harry, you've heard what the experts have to say. What resonated with you the most? It's giving me a real clear picture of where the market currently is developed to and basically an incentive or even a, a nudge to say, well, don't hang around and wait for it to get perfect. Get involved in the market and trial and error and, and see how you, how you get on, really. I am going to be uh, looking at the really good resources that were recommended, such as the FTSE for Good Index, which is a great place to start before I look more widely as to the type of companies I think uh, I would be comfortable uh, investing in. I think it's going to give me that additional uh, sort of impetus to, to have a real hard think about 
what is most important to me in terms of what companies do uh, with their business activities. And I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to enable me to have that framework within which I can take proactive steps and ultimately uh, in the future get to a position where I think I'll have the confidence to invest in, in individual uh, stocks. So uh, it's been a great experience for me and I'm very excited about the next step. And you're not very old now. So who knows, in the future, as you get more experience and more money to invest, then the experience of getting more involved in kicking the tyres of various different companies in terms of their ESG credentials could serve you well when it comes to potentially looking at funding, impact investment or other more targeted schemes in the future. That's it from Money Clinic with me, Claire Barrett, this week, and we hope you like what you've heard. If you would like to chat with me on a future episode of the show and get some expert thoughts on a money issue that's been bugging you, then email me. The address is money at ft.com. Want to read more? Check out the show notes for links to articles I've written on these topics. Take a peek at our website, ft.com slash money. Grab a copy of the FT Weekend newspaper or follow us on Twitter at ftmoney. Money Clinic was produced in London by Josh Delamere and Persis Love. Our sound engineer is Breen Turner and our editor is Amy Keane. And the original music is by Metaphor Music. And finally, just so you know, the Money Clinic podcast is a general discussion around financial topics and does not constitute an investment recommendation or individual financial advice. For that, you'll need to find an independent financial advisor. That's the small print over and done with. See you back here next week. Goodbye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.